0: Hello and welcome to High Heels and Heartache. This is Kendall Ann. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, on this episode, I interview Dr. Denise Fournier. And Dr. Fournier is an expert in attracting, maintaining, and ending relationships from a conscious and self-aware mindset. Um, Dr. Fournier has a ton of experience. She's out of Miami. She's a psychotherapist, a coach, a university professor, and a facilitator. She's been working in the mental health field for 15 years, and she's worked with several hundred clients. Uh, she guides them on their own unique growth journeys. She facilitates safe and sacred spaces for people to connect inward, work through challenges, define their own unique self-expression, and discover the healer and teacher living inside of them. Dr. Fournier's unique psycho-spiritual approach blends evidence-based mental health modalities with ancient ancient traditions that unify the mind, body, and spirit. Uh, Make sure you check out the show notes because I have links to Dr. Fournier's Psychology Today blog I have a link to her uh, practice, which is called Evergreen Therapy, and I'm sure that you're going to be very impressed with Dr. Fournier after listening to this interview, and if you want her to be your coach, there is a link there as well where you can sign up for that. So, coming right up, Dr. Fournier is going to tell us how to attract, maintain, and end relationships mind Hey everybody, I'm back with Dr. Denise Fonnier. Hello Denise. Hi. How are you this evening? I'm great, Kendall. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. So you're joining us from warm, sunny Miami, huh?
1: Yes, it's our winter right now, which means that it's about 77 degrees, and that, I've got to tell you, feels really good. My salt <laughs> lamp is no longer sweating. It spent the summer chalking salt off all over my bedroom, so <laughs> it's winter time when the salt lamp starts. Stop sweating.
0: <laughs> well, I'm in Annapolis, Maryland, and today the high was 39. Oof. So I'm just a little bit jealous of you, but I'm gonna get over that so we can have another. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one thing that really made me want to reach out to you was you have you talk a lot about mindfulness. You actually have a blog on Psychology Today called Mindfully Present, Fully Alive. And in your practice with your um, patients, you specialize in how to attract maintain, and end relationships from a conscious, self-aware place. So what exactly does that mean? Hmm.
1: Well, so in general, the work that I do as a therapist and as a coach is around self-awareness and mindfulness as a guidepost For life in general, right? So whether I'm working with people who are in relationships or desiring to be in a relationship or whether I'm working with people who are not addressing relationships at all in a specific way, but rather just kind of wanting to know how to navigate life in a particular way or how to cope with something that's come up. I'm always looking at it through a lens of self-reflectiveness and mindfulness. And really mindfulness and self-reflection or self-awareness are kind of interchangeable terms. Mm-hmm. Um, the term mindfulness has kind of gotten all of this, uh, it almost has this like aura, this you know halo effect around it that people tend to think of it as like a super spiritual concept and it can be, and it also doesn't have to be anything more than, than basic self-awareness, awareness of what's happening in the moment and awareness of how close or far away you are to your intention, to your purpose, to your ideals, or your sense of how you want to live your life, right? So that's kind of always the lens that I'm looking at and working through. With people in general. And so when it comes to relationships specifically, this carries over in a particular way. And so when I talk about attracting a relationship from a conscious or self-aware place, it's about being deliberate about what you're seeking and being deliberate at every possible opportunity, both in the thoughts that you have about what's possible in a relationship, The inventory that you take of your own personal core values, your own sense of what you want to experience in your lifetime, your own non negotiables, your boundaries, Um, you know, being deliberate and intentional about every aspect of showing up for the process of inviting a relationship into your life. And then of course, you know, moving into the relationship itself, how to be conscious of how you participate in that relationship, what you bring to that relationship, what's transpiring with your partner in that relationship. And hopefully for those people whom I get, you know, the privilege of working with who want to end a relationship, whether it's a couple in my office or an individual who's working through that. You know, it's about being deliberate at the exit point, you know, we're often there's a Zen expression that says you have to be very careful when you're mounting a tiger, but you have to be doubly careful when you're getting off the tiger, right? Meaning that, I love that. <laughs> right. And it's such a good thing to keep in mind because so often at the beginning of something, a project or a relationship, we're so intentional and we're so aware of ourselves. And then over time, when it becomes second nature, when we become habituated to it, or it becomes routine, we become far less mindful and deliberate. Um, and so this process of attracting, maintaining, and ending relationships is really a process of being self-aware, every possible opportunity of life and understanding the implications of that for your relationship.
0: So what you're stressing to us is like no more autopilot stuff. Totally. That we are going to make choices based on the things that we know about ourselves and what we want and need and desire.
1: Absolutely. Yes. You said it beautifully.
0: So why is that important when we're seeking relationships? When we're on Tinder or eHarmony or Match.com or... Yeah. (laughs) When we are first kind of thinking about starting a relationship why is it it important to approach it with this mindful, conscious, self-aware method?
1: Well, for a lot of reasons, right? And one of them, you know, the one that comes immediately to mind, and this is something that I'm not sure we talk about enough, like a lot of people are getting hurt out there in their dating experiences. and And so first and foremost, it's like, Leave as little collateral damage as possible in the process of like navigating your dating world and navigating the world of seeking a partner or connecting with people who might have the potential of being someone that you partner with. Um, you know, obviously we have phenomena now like ghosting and orbiting, which is basically you know being super communicative and then disappearing or functionally disappearing and then showing up in people's Instagram stories or in this oh. like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> (laughs) like the person is totally aware that you still exist, but hasn't gotten forthright communication from you. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And those are, you know, those seem like they can look at your Instagram story, but they can't text you back.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you have the time for that, but you don't, you know, you're, you have some interest in me, obviously, and you have the time to be checking my stories, but you can't use your big words and communicate with me. Right. (laughs) So, and, and believe it or not, you know, I have a lot of people who are in my office, talking about the impact that this is having, right? On their sense of self, on their sense of what's, you know, what's out there, what's possible. And it's leaving a lot of people hurt and a lot of people jaded. Um, And really going into the process of seeking a partner without a, a plan or at least a sense of what you are up for, what you're interested in and what you are capable of giving and receiving at this particular time in your life, um, without that kind of, you know, sense of clarity, then you're bound to, number one, um, you know, potentially attract people who aren't necessarily aligned with who you are, what you're about, what you're interested in, or you might be putting out a, a signal that isn't necessarily accurate, that doesn't necessarily match what's going on with you. Um, and if you are even remotely people-pleasing, or if you have a lot of urgency around getting into a relationship, um, because of whatever your constructs or your ideas or your beliefs are about relationships um, then you might rush into something that doesn't necessarily have the the lasting power um, that you might be seeking right so you might find out only after making some big commitment to someone or only after you know getting to a certain stage in the relationship that things are misaligned um, you know on a personal level part of the reason why this has become, such an emphasis for me in my work is that it kind of was my my life in a way. Um, I was in a Kim Kardashian marriage, I like to say. <laughs> um, I, ended, I was in a marriage that I ended after just three months, uh, although I had been with my partner for a few years before that. Um, but it didn't take me long being in the relationship to realize that this was completely out of alignment with who I was. It was completely out of alignment with my values, with my sense of self. I really got lost in this relationship and I didn't have the, the strength in my voice to be able to assert myself or make a, a real strong bid for communication at a different level or really to fight for the relationship if that was possible, um, certainly not to exit the relationship. And so it took like taking vows and making this sort of big commitment in my life to realize like, whoa, not only is this not the relationship for me, but my life is so far now from where I hoped it would be and where my intentions would have it be, uh, and I've got to get back into alignment. And I realized at a point when I had already caused quite a bit of damage to not only my, my partner, but also other people in my life who were a part of my relationship. Um, and this is the kind of stuff I see people doing, you know, different versions of all the time in my practice. So, um, you know, there, there are a lot of reasons why it's important, um, but for maintaining a sense of integrity in ourselves, for being aligned with the vision we have for our lives, for being consistent with our values, um, and, and really honoring ourselves and other people, this conscious and deliberate approach, I think, is, is the way to go.
0: So when we're not having a conscious and deliberate approach, we are more likely to make a bad choice in a partner. And I don't mean bad. I'm not like judging Mm -hmm. like that, but like not the best partner for us if we are not being conscious of what we're getting into.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, at the, at the choosing point of the relationship, right? Like when it comes to picking a partner, that's definitely the biggest risk we run is, you know, how far out of alignment are we going to get with ourselves or with our lives, or even with what that partner wants for themselves. Sometimes we, you know, we say we're going to deliver on something and we're not up for that, (laughs) you know, and, and someone has made a big commitment to us and we can't, you know, be consistent with that or follow through or honor, you know,
0: that for that person. Okay, so let's let's talk about what what are the steps? How do we go about attracting relationships from a self-aware place? Can you give us some tips about how do we do that?
1: Yeah, so first and foremost, spend time and really be deliberate about this. This is not the kind of thing you're just gonna know. You have to sort of go inside and look for the answers, but spend some time thinking about you know what is it that i want mm-hmm. what do i want to experience in a relationship we're so fortunate to live at a time when relationships aren't just contractual anymore and they aren't just you know they aren't just about what on a practical or functional level our relationship can bring into our lives we're sort of making spiritual contracts at this point you know it's it's what do i get to experience in this partnership how do i get to you know grow through this how do i get to contribute to another person's growth what am i available for what kind of space am i willing to create within myself to invite in a relationship you know what is it what are the stories that i've been making up about relationships right what are the models that i have of relationships so really like doing a thorough exploration of what i want what i believe is possible what I value, what I seek to give in a relationship, what I seek to receive in a relationship. Um, I also think a big part of this process of attracting is looking at results. You know, before you invite something in at a very deliberate level, you have to know what it is that you want to be deliberate about. And sometimes the best place to get that information besides going inside and asking those questions is looking at your own relationship history right? And sort of like, yeah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and like even more blah is like, what, if you look at it, like what feedback have you received maybe about how you show up in relationship, whether that's favorable or unfavorable feedback, you know, what was the, what was the cause of those relationships ending? How might you have contributed to the ending of those relationships? How did you contribute to the, the growth and the strength and the vitality of those relationships, right? So looking at all of it, the good, the bad, and the, and the ugly of your past relationships and reflecting on that, looking at limiting beliefs that you have about love and relationships. This is a huge one. This is something that, you know, when I'm working with, with people in my practice, men and women alike, and we start digging into like what underneath the hood, what beliefs are lurking in there about relationships, about
0: you what may not even know that you have.
1: Exactly, exactly. Until you start digging in, you might not even know that this is there. And these core beliefs are what guide us, right? And if those beliefs are limiting, then we might be imposing limitations on ourselves before we even get out the gate. Like before we even start looking, we might be... You know, we might be limiting and constricting our possibilities, and so that that inventory is is important as well. And like, where did these beliefs come from? Was it TV? Was it mm-hmm. culture? Was it your parents? Was hey, it something honey. you saw? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. we need to deconstruct those, and yes, and start <laughs> to step into a frame of reality. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and all those movies that end at the beginning of the relationship, right? And, and very rarely show us, you know, what it actually looks like to maintain a relationship, looking at all that stuff. And, you know, and then a big part of this also about how to attract relationships from a self-aware place is don't just focus on what you want to attract, focus on who you get to be to receive what you're seeking to attract and to maintain it. So Mm -hmm. the focus stays inward. A lot of times, you know some of the advice even out there is like, make your list of the qualities that you I want. Really- <laughs> <laughs> I had my, I had my list from like sixth grade, like has to be tall, lifestyle yeah.
0: dancing. <laughs> <laughs> smells good. This is the same radio station that I listen to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We have to have the same taste of
1: music. Otherwise it's not going to work, but you know, that's the kind of stuff that, Look, Nick, no one teaches us this stuff. Nobody teaches us this stuff. So we do the best we can. We work with what we've been given. We work with our own sort of instincts about how to do this. But often, what all of that has us do is be super outwardly focused and focused on who we want to attract and what that person's going to be like and what that person's going to look like. And that kind of outward focus. It's important. You have to know what you're available for and what you're not available for, what's in for you, what's not in for you. Attraction matters, all that stuff. However, focusing inward allows you to be able to hone in on the most sort of granular details of you know, who this person is going to be that's going to match you. And it also really gives you that facility and that opportunity to show up in the world as that person who's going to attract the person you're seeking and who's going to be aligned with that person, if that makes sense. So if you want to have an honest, loyal, faithful, committed, trustworthy, generous, service-oriented go-getter, then, like, how do you show up in the world to align with that, right? To receive that. You don't have to be that to a T, but to be consistent with that.
0: So I get what you're saying. So if you're going to put out sort of in the universe that you you want someone who is honest, you can't be a liar. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to have a very intimate relationship you can't be closed off. So you have to sort of, I I see what you're saying. You have to kind of figure out exactly who you are in order to decide what you would like your partner to have as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and also like, you know, I hear this a lot, you know, I'll say, I'll say it because it shows up so much in my practice. Um, and this could just lead into a whole other interview. So I'll keep it really short and sweet, but a lot of dating is happening where alcohol is involved, right? So a lot of first dates, a lot of early dates, there's, there's drinking. And sometimes there's a lot of drinking and to say nothing negative about alcohol when it's, you know, when it's consumed responsibly, it can contribute beautifully to our, you know, social occasions and to our lives in general. However, after a couple of cocktails, you're probably not going to be your highest self. You're probably not going to be like super consistent with what you actually believe, who you actually are, what you actually want. Like it's much harder to be in alignment when you're drinking. And so it's much harder to make those kinds of choices under the influence. And so I have a lot of people who like, they'll do vision boards and they get like so intentional about who they want to attract. And then the people they actually end up dating are people that they meet at happy hour after drink three or four. And then What transpires from that point doesn't quite match with what they were envisioning and intending. And so just being aware of those kinds of things, you know, what facilitates me attracting the things that I want in a partner and attracting the kinds of relationships I'm seeking and what gets in the way of that, what ends up being a block to that.
0: And I definitely think the alcohol thing complicates. And when you are dating, I used to call it the, he's not that bad. <laughs> you know, like, after two martinis, like that person isn't that bad. Like, all right, they can be funny, you know, and they might be not funny at all. But exactly. after, you know, alcohol is introduced, then then the slippery slope starts. Uh, yeah, Another exactly. That this is bringing to mind for me is um, sometimes we are given this advice of like opposites attract. Like that's, that's what we're told when we are young. Like just because someone is maybe that person's serious and you're fun and da, da, da that doesn't, that, that advice is not great if we're thinking about intentional relationships. We need to find someone who is not exactly like us, but is compatible. Mm-hmm. So someone who is serious might not be the best match for someone who is fun loving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and
1: and the real like barometer for it. So maybe, maybe not. Right. And that's where checking in and saying like, what are the key core values that need to absolutely be present in my life? Because you can't be one way in the world and then a different way in your relationship. It's not going to, it's not going to work right after Mm -hmm. a matter of time, you're either going to feel inauthentic or you're going to feel exhausted and burnt out from being split in these ways, uh, you know, or the relationship just completely, like, yeah. And how often, you know, that happens so often that, you know, we, we feel constricted in our relationships because we are not able to be our fullest, Selves in you know in certain relationships, if there isn't alignment there with the important things, so maybe you know you're willing to compromise on your partner being serious, you know, and and you can handle someone who's a little bit more playful, a little bit more childlike, as long as he shares your you know your political stance. If that's a high value item for you, if that's a top priority for you, then those things can be weighed differently and be balanced out differently. But that personal inventory and self-reflectiveness comes into play there where you get to decide, you know, how much seeing this, how much difference is going to work for me and for the other person. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, and where do I get to say, Hey, you know what? That's just not me. Like, I know you want someone who's really fun loving and sociable. And if I'm being my truest self, I know I can show up in these ways, but I also know that I can't show up fully the way you want me to let's mm-hmm. talk about that, you know, and then that way things become much richer, much more productive and compatible is actually a a tangible, grounded thing in the relationship and not just this sort of construct that we've adopted and absorbed from everything we've been taught.
0: And I think that that's important too for those of us who tend to be people pleasers. Mm -hmm. Um, The, you know, who you get to be part there because sometimes those of us who are people pleasers, we can sort of get into the like, well, that's who we want to be, not necessarily who we are. Yeah. So that's important. I also think it's, um, when you were saying about limiting beliefs, I think that that's important too, because a lot of people, I think, carry these sort of, and I'm just going to use this word, like wounds from Mm -hmm. like our parents and how they have impacted our view of relationships. Like some people are like, I don't believe in love because my parents got divorced. And some people are like, I My parents have been married for 50 years and I need to marry the perfect person. So I think that sometimes that gets lost, too, when we're doing our self inventories is the way that our parents relationship has kind of shaped us.
1: Definitely, definitely. I've been so gratified in the last couple of years to see that. And it's really thanks to one book in particular. It's called Attached. Um I love from, that book. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're familiar.
0: Yeah. attachment right here. Hello. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and see how great is that that now it's like it's part of our vernacular. People are talking about it. It's how helpful was it to find your attachment style and to see yourself identified. It was great. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is me you <laughs> for <It's> watching me. <laughs> I usually get to when I when I recommend it to clients. I I usually get one of two very specific responses. Either people are so grateful that I put this on their radar and they feel transformed because of this knowledge, or they like throw the book at me. Someone literally threw the book back at me. Screw <laughs> <laughs> you! I wish I never read this. <laughs> Way too much information for me to have to sift through now. Um, But my point being that I'm so gratified that people are. becoming aware of what attachment theory is all about, what attachment styles are, how they are, you know, our way of attaching with our partners in our adult romantic relationships is influenced by the primary attachments that we had to our caregivers, which for most of us was one or both of our parents. And so it's, yeah, what we saw in their relationships with each other, what we saw in the relationships of you know our significant family members, how they modeled relationships to us, and then also how we related to our primary caregivers, how we were regarded, how safe we felt, how much trust we were able to have. All of that ends up shaping our ideas about our worthiness, about what's possible for us, about relationships, what they are, what's normal, what's not normal, what's healthy, what's unhealthy, you know, it's loaded. And if we don't take a look at it, then we're, you know, look, can we have a healthy, happy, lifelong relationship? Sure. And the likelihood is that our relationships can be happier and healthier and longer lasting if we go into them and stay in them with some awareness of ourselves and of what we're creating and of the other person and how we're affecting them as well. So we have
0: attracted a relationship by asking ourselves, what do I want? We've looked at the results of our past and learned about ourselves. We've discovered our limiting beliefs we've read the book attached (laughs) we've been working on the thought of who do we get to be in the relationship and now we have our relationship how do we build a conscious relationship with that person
1: Hmm. well so Go to therapy, <laughs> <laughs> or, or both. <laughs> both, both. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing someone. But what therapy does, you know, what therapy is really helpful with for individuals and for couples is a sort of ongoing reflective. Process where things aren't just happening, we're not just sort of like bouncing around, but we're being really thoughtful and hopefully taking in what we're experiencing so that we can sort of course correct right and r- relationships where both people are committed to being reflective to navigating in a thoughtful way so what are we bumping up against as a couple and how do we move through it how do we move around it how do we work on it how do we feed this forward into future encounters with each other you know that's all the makings of a conscious relationship so you know, two people, first of all, you know, two people who are committed to being conscious and self-aware in the relationship uh, are are likely to, build a conscious relationship together. Right. So it takes both people uh, being sort of willing to take that stance in the relationship, not just, I choose you once and then I just wake up next to you every day and say, okay, okay. I I guess this is what we're doing. Uh, but, (laughs) But like I choose you again and I choose you today and, and I'm actively choosing you and I am actively contributing to this relationship. Um, you know, in a way that is thoughtful in a way that is deliberate. Um, So, you know, that, that thoughtfulness, that deliberateness, that communication, all of that goes into building the conscious relationship and, and being willing to do the work, you know, and the word work here, I, you know, I use it lightly because it, it shouldn't feel like, hard labor every day to make your relationship run. Um, but it should feel like effort. It should be, you know, like something like taking out the trash in your house or, you know, doing this, the sort of basic activities, wiping down your countertops, like just seeing it, recognizing it, putting the effort into maintaining it, appreciating it, honoring it, On a regular basis, on a consistent basis, putting in the effort to make it work and understanding that it takes effort and it takes effort on both parts.
0: Oh my gosh, Um, totally speaking my love language right now because my love language is acts of service.
1: Yes. I'm so glad you brought up. I, I'm so glad to know that about you. If there's ever anything I can do for you, <laughs> I'd be happy to. Um, yeah, love, I mean, that's, that's a great example, right? Like that's another one that this book revolutionized relationships in its own way, because now Many, many people are talking about love languages and understanding that the way your partner expresses or receives love may not be the same way that you express or receive love. So let's figure that out so that we, if we're not speaking the same language, at least we understand that, you know, at least we understand that from a foundational sort of, you know, standpoint and can navigate that in a more thoughtful way again. um, So, so yeah, that, you know, even something like that, understanding each other's love languages, taking responsibility for your contribution to the relationship in both the positive aspects and the not so positive aspects Mm. is another part of it, right? So, you know, this is something my partner and I do often, you know, my current partner and I are you know, we are very intentional about our relationship and we're committed to being conscious in our interactions with each other. And part of that is we, you know, we do check-ins and, you know, we take responsibility for how we contributed to the rough patches during the, you know, last week, last day. However, you know, often we're we're looking at things when we check in and, and owning our respective parts and talking through that. Um, you know, that's a big part of it. And so all of that requires... Again, that intention, it requires that ongoing communication and it requires, you know, a willingness, a willingness to commit and to show up for the relationship, to take personal responsibility and to, you know, be willing to lovingly hold each other accountable. Um, And another thing, you know, this is a big thing and I, I feel like I always have to say this when I'm sitting across from a couple or when I have an opportunity to just talk about relationships we're not just when we you know get into a relationship we're not just signing up for what we're going to get to participate with our partners we're really signing up for witnessing somebody else's life unfold right? There are still two life paths that are being walked, right? When two people become one in that sense. And so it's also about bearing loving witness to another person and understanding that that person gets to have their life experience unfold and how to you know advocate that in a way that still allows you to advocate for yourself and be self-loving at the same time that you are in the act of love with your partner and showing up for love with your partner. Um, so, I mean, I could really go on and on about this, but I would say those are the key ingredients.
0: And, it, you know, one thing that I'm getting for, from everything that you're saying about being, you know, in this self-aware place is that it can be a little difficult because this, you have to be very honest with yourself first. That seems to be like the first step in all of this is, you know, owning up to your mistakes, realizing the things that you want your beliefs it's all about you it comes from a place of self-honesty is like the kernel that it all starts from
1: Mm -hmm. yeah which isn't easy it's not it's not an easy thing for us to do no it's way easier to
0: just blame everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) that's way easier so we were just talking about how to build a conscious relationship so if you were gonna when you, when a couple sits down across from you, like what are the hallmarks of a conscious, self-aware relationship?
1: I would say the, the big ones are both people are taking responsibility for themselves as individuals. So recognizing it is not all you know, one person's fault, um, that relationships are not about blame. They're about participation and contribution. So people who get that, who are not interested in coming in to undermine their partner or to place blame on their partner who are coming in in the service of their relationship and understanding that even if the relationship can't be served, at least let both people be benefited by the experience of being in the relationship or ending the relationship. So, you know, one of the hallmarks is is people who are aware that the relationship is like, it's a gift. It's a bonus. It's a, like, it's a wonderful thing to have. And if it stops working we're both going to be okay. And if we make this decision to not be together anymore, it would be in the service of each of us as individuals. And that matters, right? So it's not just about making the relationship work at all costs. It's not just about blaming the other person or, you know, metaphorically speaking, you know, beating them into submission or admitting that they were wrong or controlling the relationship so that it goes a certain way or it fits with your their ideas about what they wanted it to be um it's really holding space for each individual in that relationship to to be benefited um you know and and people who are in a conscious relationship they're very process oriented they're very much up for the process of talking through things of renegotiating things of really being overt about what their commitment is to each other they're ta- they talk about things um in a way that demonstrates openness generosity and trust Um, And they're self-reflective in that way too. So like if they have a barrier around trust, you know, conscious people in conscious relationships will say like, I'm really struggling with this, um, you know, this issue of trust and here's what's showing up for me. Uh, Here's how you can support me in, in leaning into trust a bit more. And their partner will receive that and say like, I'm up for that. And here's how I can do that. Or here's how I don't think that I can do that. Um, you know, and and they negotiate and they talk through and they're willing to turn over those stones that might be much more comfortable left unturned uh, when it comes to things like uh, monogamy and faithfulness, when it comes to, you know, things like money or sex or time spent with extended family, like they're willing to have the conversation and they show up to those conversations with g- generosity, openness, trust, and the willingness to to really listen and to really experience what you know what their partner is sharing
0: so um of to add to like okay we have to be able to be honest with ourselves and do sort of the hard work there we also have to have we have to be brave in order to be trusting and vulnerable with our partner and kind of the the pact that we've made in our conscious relationship is that that person will be brave and honest and vulnerable with us
1: yeah yeah, absolutely. Or at least if they struggle with that, to be able to, to say that and own that and be with that um, mm-hmm. and, and work through that, right? Because that's you know that's the biggest gift you can give yourself or somebody else is to break down those barriers to love and intimacy and connection. And a lot of us have barriers, right? You don't get through life without building some of those up. Um, we're self-protective by nature. And, and so some of that stuff is going to show up no matter how conscious your relationship might be. Um, but there's that sort of like next level of vulnerability and consciousness is to say like, Hey, I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. I'm struggling. You know, this is what's showing up for me. This is how I'm experiencing it. And to be willing to, to be in that and hopefully to have called in a partner who can witness you in that and and be with you through that.
0: So another kind of hallmark I'm hearing you say is that when you were talking about that person in the relationship with you, they're having their own like life experience that you get to witness part of being a conscious partner is being supportive in their life experience, Mm -hmm. whatever that's going to be.
1: Yep. You know, as long as it doesn't, you know, I, I always say there's the caveat there, as long as what your partner is experiencing isn't harming you or like harming your children, um, you know, or, or anyone in your household, like as long as you can still be self-loving mm-hmm. and, you know, generous with yourself as you hold that space for your partner, then then yeah, you know, that's part of the contract. Um, as I see it at least, is allowing that other person's story to unfold.
0: Okay, so now we're gonna talk about what about when you gotta dismount the tiger? If (laughs) you're if you realize that your partner might be a wonderful person, but they're just not the person that is right for you. How do we end relationships in a conscious way?
1: So, you know, this is a this is a really tricky one. You know, we we hope that when it comes time to exit the relationship, that it'll be smooth and easy and under the best of circumstances, it's like a mutual decision and nobody gets hurt. (laughs) You know, unfortunately, that's often not the case. Um, You know, sometimes... And look, like sometimes you can think you've been like super honest and given it your best in the relationship and, and you have and it worked. And then somewhere along the way, it just stops working or you realize things that you weren't aware of before. And like, so there are so many ways in which this sort of mutual decision to end a relationship, it just doesn't happen. So when it comes to deciding to end the relationship, if it's not a mutual decision, if it's not something that can be um, you know, there, there could be like this beautiful ceremony on the beach and you like, you know, you close it and you do it in a very like beautiful intentional way. I mean, it'd be great if all relationships could end like that, but if that's not possible, like
0: release a Chinese lantern and <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, walk away. <laughs>
1: yes. And burn some stage and call it a day. Um, uh, so most of the time, that's not what it's going to look like. Um, So when that is the case, you know, first and foremost is take both people in this into consideration. Um, you know, take yourself into consideration, be kind, be compassionate, be gentle with yourself, be self-loving and self-accepting in the process of deciding that you're no longer going to move forward and communicating that to the other person. Have your back, you know, be be loving toward yourself and really have as much clear, open space within yourself as possible before you approach. approach. Approach your partner and, and, you know, begin that conversation of ending and dissolving the relationship. And of course, you know, be aware of the other person's experience and, and, you know, be thoughtful about how you communicate this and when you communicate this and to whom you talk about this before you do it with your partner. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just be, be really deliberate about all the decisions that you make leading up to the conversation and during the conversation and, you know, keep the focus on, what it is that each of you has been able to experience within the relationship, um, what the relationship has taught you, what the relationship has given you, you know, focus on those things in the conversation, as well as clarifying your reasons for needing to leave. Um, you only need to give the reasons that are your reasons. Um, you don't need to belabor that conversation. Like if you, if one person is done with the relationship and really clear and, and, and Thoughtful, you know, has come to that in a really clear and thoughtful way. Then the relationship is done, right? And so, you know, often I know that, you know, when someone is in the throes of the grief or the loss of a relationship or the impending loss, you know, they they want to demand clarity, they want to demand closure, they want to demand understanding. Um, And unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. Like, you know, someone's urgency to get answers doesn't compel the other person to give answers beyond. their answers, you know, beyond what's there. So, um, you know, be really thoughtful about that going into it. If you're the one who's ending the relationship, um, if you're the one who's having the relationship ended, you know, be aware that closure is something you get to create for yourself um, it's not something that comes from the other person telling you something or do you know doing something in particular. It's about you making the decision to close something um, that was once meaningful, that was once for you, that was once on your path and is no longer on your path.
0: It's um, you know, in- interesting that you said that because when I was in high school, I got dumped in an awful way. Oh. And I remember I was like crying in my kitchen. And I was like telling my dad, like I just want him to explain why he dumped me. And my dad looked right at me and he said, "Why, Sweepy? You can't argue your way out of dumped." Wow! And I was like, "Oh snap! That is correct." <laughs> I like your dad, but like also, ouch! I'm fourteen. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yes, I and- think- that, that, that's what you're speaking to. Like, you, you know, you can't, you just have to sort of take the information that you're provided if you're the one that's being dumped <laughs> mm-hmm. and you have to kind of find the closure for yourself.
1: Yeah, sad, sadly, that's true, you know, and and it's a... It's a both and like, you know, what you said with your dad, like, yes, it's helpful to keep that in mind. And it's also going to hurt, you know, and being aware of that is super important. No matter what side of this you're on, it's going to hurt. It's not going to feel good to go through this process, no matter how consciously you go through it breakups are are painful, Um, you know, breakups are difficult. And so having support around you, you know, having the right kind of people around you who will support you in a way that still honors the relationship you know people who don't feel compelled to support you by trashing your partner or by you know projecting certain things um, Mm -hmm. that may not necessarily be helpful or aligned with you know the the conscious closing that you want to create you know really calling in those people who are going to get you and get what you're up to and what you're trying to do in your relationship that helps Um, and and really the last thing you know the last couple things i'll say one is have your commitment be to peace, peace for yourself and peace for your partner, have the commitment and the intention be to uh, create space for each of you to continue your story in a way that is more aligned, you know, whether that includes Bringing in, you know, another partner who's a better fit, or whatever the case might be, but have the commitment be to, you know, to peace and to openness rather than to being right. Um, a lot of times, you know, in breakups and divorces, unfortunately, especially um, somewhere along the way, people just they shift their focus from wanting to be free or wanting to be at peace, which feels very real for them when they're in the relationship and they want to get out. But then, as soon as the other person has something to say about it, and there's you know, a conversation or an argument about why the relationship is ending. Then suddenly, the commitment shifts to being right, or like to winning, or to mm-hmm. having their perspective be the one that wins out. And um, you know, and and a lot of collateral damage happens. Um, you know, when that becomes the the shift of focus. So stay clear about what you are committed to when you are closing the relationship. And. Um, try to be consistent with that and honor that irrespective of how the other person might be, um, you and know, in themselves. It's
0: interesting that you said that because that kind of like ties right back into the beginning of how to attract relationships from a self-aware place. Like you are going to make it harder for your partner to attract a relationship from a self-aware place when you wound them in some way. Mm. Because you're going to build up a, a some kind of wall for them that they're going to then have to sit in front of Dr. Denise and help. <laughs> She's going to have to <laughs> slow down.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. That's
1: a very, very, very good point. That's a very good point. And,
0: and it, it's so... It's very interesting because I was one of those people that really made fun of, of Gwyneth Paltrow and the whole like conscious uncoupling, uh, you know, <laughs> oh my God, like that's what you can do when you're a bajillionaire. But honestly, like after talking to you, I'm like, no, that's a way better like method of doing this, that we are we are making this choice that we are not the best partners for each other. It doesn't mean we hate each other. We're just going to go our separate ways and be nice to each other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and if, I mean, imagine if that could stay front and center and clear. Right. And like, look, this is the same thing as with meditation. You know, we say that the goal is, let's say the goal is enlightenment. You're probably not going to get enlightened, but it's a good (laughs) goal to have because the thing. You've been
0: watching me meditate, obviously.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've been watching everyone (laughs) meditate, including myself. And yeah, most of us are not going to get there. But with that being the goal, we do things differently and we do things in a way that's probably going to produce a more favorable outcome for ourselves, right? So we still get to benefit from it. Even if we don't get there conscious uncoupling is kind of like that, right? Like you may not get to this beautiful Gwyneth Paltrow, like uncoupling, but you can do less damage, right? But you can have your kids not be like deeply and terribly wounded and affected by your divorce, but you can have it so that you're, former partner gets to move on and create a kick-ass relationship with their next partner. And so that you can too, right. And so that your daily life doesn't get disrupted by your breakup. Like you can have that in your, you know, in your mission or your intention to, to be as conscious as possible.
0: And I think that part of that, you know, self-aware breaking off of the relationship is understanding that when the relationship is over and that person has moved on that you sort of owe it to them to leave them alone Mm. and not to kind of insert yourself back into that person's life. Yeah. I think that that's an important thing that sometimes, you know, like that's a little hard to like think about like, Oh, well maybe (laughs) when that's no, 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 no. No, maybe.
1: <laughs> That's a hard note. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's messy. It's a mess. It's messy territory and it's painful territory. And that, you know, the last thing I would say about that, you know, when it comes to sort of ending it is, and, and look, I'm a therapist, I'm a coach, I do this for a living. I'm obviously going to promote this, but, uh, you know, even if it doesn't come in the form of therapy or coaching, like talk through this with someone who can really hold that space for you after so that you don't walk away from the relationship, um, like, hurting yourself extra or making up stuff that then gets in the way of you being able to have another relationship in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be really thoughtful about your own healing process so that you get to move on and do this again, hopefully with somebody else who's a better fit for you.
0: Okay. So just to kind of sum up, cause we have to, if we're talking about being self-aware, we have to go back to ourselves. What are the qualities that we should be working on in ourselves so that we can have a self-aware, conscious relationship? Well, the
1: biggest, the biggest one I would say is, you know, funny enough, I want to say self-awareness is the biggest <laughs> thing, but that's like that's such a first of all, such a nebulous thing. Um, I'm going to say something that's even. Probably more eye rollingly like abstract, which is uh, self love. So, understanding one of the biggest, most important qualities of someone who calls in a conscious and and aware relationship is someone who knows how to love themselves uh, because by loving themselves, they are able to choose somebody who can love them at the same standard and who regards them in a way that is going to have them feel safe in that relationship, who is going to support their vision for their lives because they're already committed to that. So that self-love, that commitment to oneself, that really deep understanding of oneself is the key Component of being able to call in this type of relationship. So,
0: and all my people pleasers out there, she did not say you have to be perfect.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <Right>? For that <laughs>
0: yeah. Perfection
1: you has nothing to do with this.
0: You don't have to be perfect in order to have self love. You're perfect just the way you are. Accept yourself. Yes,
1: yes. You know, it's been my experience, you know, in my own relationship, having had the spectacular disaster of a relationship that I had prior and then Understanding this stuff, you know in the interim between then and when I began to open myself up to another relationship is like I took that time to just love the hell out of myself and to figure myself out as much as I possibly could like How do I experience love? What do I want? How do I give love? You know what what are the the places in me that I get to open up even bigger and how do I show up for my life at 100% even if I don't have a partner next to me? Like, How do I bring the fullest experience into this life that I get to have? And when I started doing that, things just started to show up differently in my life. And by the time I met my now partner, I was so clear about who I was how to give to myself the things that I want, how to love myself fully and deeply and how to live my 10 out of 10 life. I was like already. So in that, that he showed up and he could see already like, this is, this is how I need to show up in this relationship to be able to stay in her life. And it was sort of clear from the beginning that like, I'm already doing this. Now you get to come in and do this with me. And now we get to do this together. Um, but you know, imperfections and shortcomings and and all, um, you know, I get to sort of move through this now with somebody by my side for the effort that I put in uh, before we met. And it is so imperfect. I can't even begin to tell you. <laughs> and it's beautiful because we're, we're moving through this together. And because I laid that foundation of self-love and self-acceptance and self-understanding before, you know, so those, those self words, you know, let be self-loving, be self-compassionate, be self-forgiving, uh, be self-aware at all the levels that you possibly can. Awareness of yourself at every possible you know, layer of, of your being and of your experience. And all of that is going to contribute tremendously to calling in that partner who will hopefully be doing the same thing and will allow you to co-create something conscious and beautiful
0: and long lasting and those people who are already in relationships like you might already have your perfect self-aware partner right by your side you just gotta kind of switch it and start doing those things that are self-aware if you haven't been doing those now is a great time to start yep you don't have to scrap it (laughs) yes You Yes. you can start today
1: That is such a good point. I'm really, really glad you said that. Yeah, you don't have to scrap it. And you might be so amazed how just a little bit of that light of awareness on your relationship uh, or even on your own process, like that can so... Radically transform a relationship, and it can allow you to see your partner or yourself or your relationship as a whole in a completely new and different light. And it requires nothing to be different. Like, nothing actually has to change, but just that shift in perspective, that willingness to make your relationship a deliberate affair, to make it like a, a more sort of spiritual or holistic kind of experience. Like, just whatever that looks like for you, like, whatever the intention is. Just that little shift in perspective to bring that with your current partner can, can work wonders in your relationship.
0: And I love it that you use the word deliberate because if nothing else, just be more deliberate in your relationships. If you're yeah. not to the point where you can do your inventory of how your parents' marriage or lack of marriage or whatever affected you, like just be deliberate with the relationship that you're in now.
1: Yes. Yes. And everything in life is going to be served positively when we do it on purpose with intention. Um, it feels better. We do it better. The results are better. So yeah, if you take nothing else from this, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Deliberateness is, is key.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I have learned a ton from you.
1: Yay! Thank you so much for having me and for being so engaging and wonderful to talk to. And now I know your love language. So, that-
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to come and do my laundry <laughs> after after it warms up a bit, <laughs> you can a I like I like doing laundry, and I particularly like the thing that many people don't like, which is the folding. <gasps> oh. mm-hmm. Well. Yeah, now I. I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I wish you had a different love language. <laughs> <laughs> now I need to, to find someone who needs me to fold. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so I'm going to have links um, to your practice, Evergreen Therapy. Um, and also, in that, I'll put a link to both of your blogs. Great. So thank you again, Dr. Denise Fournier. You are positively wonderful. Thank
1: you so, so much. I am because you are. Thank you very, (laughs) very, very much for having me.
0: Have a good day.
1: Thanks, you too. Bye.
0: Thank you again, Dr. Denise Fournier, for being on the show today. You taught us so much about mindfully attracting, maintaining, and ending relationships. If you'd like Dr. Fournier to be your coach, please visit the show notes for links to her Psychology Today blog, her practice in Miami, and her coaching website. If you are in an unhealthy or unsafe relationship, there is help. Please dial the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Again, that number is 1-800-799-SAFE.